back to the third episode of Counselor's Corner. Today, we're going to be talking about all things executive functioning. To help us do that, we're joined by an expert, Therese Burke, an educational therapist. Therese Burke has a wide range of experience in education as a therapist, teacher, and coach. As an educator for 28 years, her goal is to help students develop skills for success and become lifelong learners. Her expertise is in the development of executive function skills. While working as an education specialist for Rush Neuro Behavioral Center, Therese worked with schools to incorporate executive function lessons into the class curriculum, mentored clients who struggled with executive dysfunction, and served as the secondary author for the middle school and high school publications of Rush Neuro Behavior Center's executive function skill building notebooks. Therese opened Smart Learning Strategies in November of 2016 to provide services to students with executive dysfunction. Therese presents locally on the practical application of learning strategies and serves as an adjunct instructor for the College of DuPage. Therese received her Master of Education in Teaching and Learning from DePaul University and her Certificate in Educational Therapy from UC Riverside. She's an active member of the Association of Educational Therapists. Therese, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to having this conversation about executive functions. We are so excited to have you here, Therese, because you know we've heard this executive functioning or executive functions. It's pretty broad, and I think a lot of people have different interpretations of what that means. Could you define it for us? Certainly, certainly. So when I'm first explaining what executive functions are, I like to make the analogy between executive functions and a GPS system. Uh, we all have a global positioning system on our phone, right? And why do we have it? Well, we're at one location and we need to get to another location. So what do we do with that GPS system? We tell the GPS where we need to go. And before we even leave the house, we then have a plan for exactly how we need to get from point A to point maybe B or C, D or F, whatever it might be. Um, but not only that, as we're driving, that GPS system will tell me, oh wait, there's traffic here, you better take a detour. So that's quite helpful. I'm going to get there in a more timely manner. And not only that, I'm probably going to avoid some anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So the global positioning system it tells us where we need to go before we even need to get there, it gives us a plan, and we get there in a timely manner with low anxiety, right? Um, it, the executive function system of our brain does the same thing. If I was to give you a neurological definition for what executive functions are, I would say these are the brain-based behaviors that help us have self-directed, or I'm sorry, self-regulated behaviors, and also help us accomplish goals or accomplish a task. So when you're talking about executive functions and then the executive function system, we could really break it down into three different areas. We could say the executive function system helps us manage our behaviors, the executive function system helps us manage our emotions, and it also helps us under, uh, manage our cognitive abilities or how well we understand information. So although those are the three areas, uh, when we talk about the skills within those three areas, here's where it can get um, a little uh, unusual, if you will, uh, the term executive functions is relatively new in the field of education. I would say maybe the past eight years, people have really been talking about it more. Um, but because it's so new, there's no set 
you know, decision on what are the executive function skills. So although we can look at these three areas of behavior, mm -hmm. when we talk about the skills, you may hear one specialist talking about, oh, there's 32 executive function skills. You might hear another person say, oh, there's seven. Um, what's the important thing is that there are those three areas, the behaviors, the emotions, and the cognitive areas. Therese, that's really a great construct to understand that we're looking at behavior, emotions, and cognition. Could you give us some examples of skills that are in each of those categories? Certainly. So when we're talking about behaviors, there's a couple skills that we're looking for here. Um, inhibition is one of those. And inhibition is the ability for an individual to be a future thinker. You know, what am I doing now and what do I need to be doing in the future? Mm -hmm. um, and another skill there would be self-monitoring. Um, a student needs to be aware of the actions that they are taking and how they're going to impact them in the future. Um, those are, both of those are really, really important that self, for that behavior piece. Mm -hmm. um, and the other area, the emotional control mm -hmm. area, um, one of the skills there is the ability to transition or shift from one situation to another. In a school setting, that's really important. You've got individuals and they're in language arts and then they have to stop what they're doing in language arts and transition and go into math, math, mathematics. So there's a lot going on there. Mm -hmm. The student has to stop, oh, this is what we ended up doing in lang language arts. I need to start thinking about mathematics. What do I need to do? What, am I need to, what do I need to bring? Mm -hmm. So shift is very important in that emotional control. Um, and then emotional control itself, that is, that's, an, that's part of the emotional category. Uh, when I think of emotional control, I think of individuals in, in focused behavior. Um, are you able to sit down for a certain amount of time and focus on homework? In kindergarten or first grade, we probably expect a child to be able to sit for 10 or 15 minutes without having a, uh, a blowout, if you will. Um, in eighth grade, we should expect a child to be able to sit and do homework for about an hour, an hour and a half, with breaks in between. But they have to have that emotional control piece to do that, to be attentive. Um, and then that third area, the third category, that would be the cognitive center. And some of the skills that help us to understand, um, this would be um, initiation behavior. When you have work, do you procrastinate or do you realize, all right, I need to start on this right now because I want to do a good job. Mm. So uh, we want a child to have a strong initiation. Um, if not, that procrastination, that can lead to problems. Um, working memory, that's also a really important skill with cognition. When we're talking about working memory, we're talking about the ability to hold information in your mind for a designated amount of time so that you could solve a problem. You can imagine in mathematics, working memory is, is important, mm -hmm. right? And usually, I think by fourth or fifth grade, students are going to have uh, math problems and they may have three, four, maybe five steps to complete the math problem. So they need to hold all those steps in their mind while they're doing the work. Um, another skill that we could talk about as far as cognition is planning. Uh, planning and prioritizing. And so planning is, here is our, what's our roadmap? How are we gonna get this done? And what's the most important thing to do first? Planning is really important when you're talking about homework, right? Student needs to know exactly what they have to do for homework, but also identify, all right, what's the most important pieces here? If I've got something that's due tomorrow, 
that probably takes priority mm-hmm. over something mm-hmm. that's due four days later. Unfortunately, sometimes we have students who they like to do what's most interesting first. Mm-hmm. And they may work on a project for an hour if it's most interesting. The project's not due until Friday. And they have an assignment that's due tomorrow. Well, now they're so tired, they don't have the energy to really do the work that they can do that's due for tomorrow. So that's the planning and prioritizing um, skill. And then organization. That's another really important skill. When we're thinking of organization, I like to think of not only organizing your materials and knowing what you need and where your items are, but also how you organize your thoughts and your Mm -hmm. ideas. So those are both two parts to that organizational skill. It's really critical because as a student advances in school, the need for long-term projects that you have to chunk out yes and can't do it Mm -hmm. the night before Mm -hmm. it just gets increasingly more complex absolutely and with that you need the organization piece you need Mm -hmm. to be able to take a look at the instructions break them down into steps and then plan them out when you know i'll do step one on monday step two on tuesday step three on 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 wednesday whatever it might be certainly so in thinking about the brain and executive functions is there some biochemical deficit in the brain that can cause executive function issues? Right. That's a good question. There can be. Okay. But it's not always the situation. Okay. Hmm. So when we're thinking about the biochemical um, deficit, uh, or whether it, whatever the deficit or the delay might be, when you're thinking about executive function skills, executive function skills, they are innate skills. You're born with these abilities, like the language system. Right, you're born with the ability to speak, but depending on depending on certain factors, they're going to impact how well you perform with your executive functions or with speech. So, when you're thinking about the factors that affect executive functions, um, think about the biological piece, uh, the genetic piece, but also the environment. Mm. So if we're thinking about that biological piece, if an individual has some type of a trauma to the brain, that's going to impact um, the that's going to impact the way the brain processes information, right? If an individual has ADHD or autism or some type of a non for a learning disability, these are all biological situations that are going to impact an ability uh, an individual's ability to perform. Um, another area there, genetic. Right. Um, if I'm a parent and I have a hard time managing my time or managing my materials, chances are my child's going to have that problem too. And I need to recognize that because sometimes it's the, the parent doesn't have that skill and they're not modeling it for the child. So here's an opportunity for the child and the parent to work together. All right, we both struggle with this. Mm. Let's come up with a plan to overcome it. Yeah. Right. Um, and that last piece, that in my environmental piece, um, the environmental piece can go from, wow, anything from a poor diet to an abusive situation, whatever it might be. But our, that environment is really important, too, as to how it develops, how the executive function system develops. And you also mentioned another important environmental factor is the level of stress yes. That's, yes. that is felt by the student. Exactly. So we need to make sure that we have an environment with as little stressors as possible. Because once... Once a child gets stressed out, once any of, anybody gets stressed out, they're no longer engaging the executive function system of the brain. They've gone to a different part of the brain. 
Um, can I take a minute or two to kind of explain the Absolutely. parts of the brain? Please. So when you're talking about the executive function system, this is the frontal lobe part of your brain. So if you were to take your hand, put it right to your forehead, the area right behind you know, your forehead, that brain mass, that's the frontal lobe. Um, interestingly enough, the frontal lobe is the, that's the last part of the brain to fully develop. In girls, we believe that the executive function system develops between the ages of 25 and 27. In with, with boys, between the ages of 27 and maybe 30. So um, that's, that's important. Um, the anxiety piece that you mentioned, Deborah. What's important about that is when a student, when anybody, I'm sorry, uh, engages in anxious behavior, they're, as I mentioned, they're no longer in the executive function part of the brain. They have now, if you will, we can say the amygdala, and the amygdala is the part of your brain, that's the flight or fight response system, mm -hmm. right? If we're in danger, it tells us, and we need to do something about it. So we need the amygdala. But sometimes it can be kind of tricky. Sometimes that amygdala can hijack our executive function system. And if we're an individual who does not have a mature emotional system, then we're not going to be thinking rationally anymore. And we're going to get caught up in that anxious behavior. Um, sometimes I have clients and they ruminate over something. They didn't do their math. And why didn't they do, they math, do their math? And they get locked in on that. We don't want students to do that. We want to give them um, support mm -hmm. so they can recognize, oh, where are you going with this? And get out of it. Um, I can share with you one of my most favorite quotes that I've ever heard by somebody I've worked with, Dr. Georgia Bozaday. She runs the education department over at Rushville Behavioral Center. When she was teaching, and if she saw some students uh, getting nervous or anxious, she would say, stop, get out of your amygdala and into your frontal lobe. And it was very, it's a very kind way of letting somebody know, oh, you're getting off track here. Let's regroup. Mm -hmm. And I share that with my own clients. And it's, all, it's always like, oh, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out to me. So use that with the students. Use it with our children. Let them know. Mm -hmm. I think it would be really helpful for our teachers that are listening to this podcast to give them some guidance in terms of how can they best support their students that have executive function challenges. Okay. Um, well, I'd like to say, if you're supporting students who have executive function challenges, you're supporting the class in general, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, routines. Routines are the most important thing, I believe, for a student to be able to adapt into a classroom. So think about routines that you have in your classroom for the students to keep their materials organized. Uh, where are they supposed to keep their books? Where are they supposed to, to keep their, their uh, class notes? There should be some type of a designated organizational system, or at least have specifics that you want the students to have. Tell students you have to have an organizational system. You have to be able to explain your organizational system to me. You have to have a way to turn in your homework. Okay. Um, and also, like the time management piece. Teachers could be really, really helpful there if, number one, they model the time management in their classroom. How can teachers do that? I know when I taught in the middle school, I would have a monthly calendar, and anything that was going on work-wise, 
get, get on the monthly calendar. So tests, if there were days off, or if there's important dates, you know, maybe somebody's birthday, put that on the monthly calendar too. But also weekly calendars. Um, teachers could help students immensely if they require the use of a planner. I know electronic planners are helpful, but if you've got a student who is struggling with executive functions, I highly suggest that they're using a physical planner because they have to understand the system. What does it mean to plan and to keep track before they can go on to that computer planner, or the, the app, if you will. So um, other areas, study strategies. If you're expecting your students to be able to do well on tests, we need to at least let the students know, all right, you've got a test in so many days. But not only that, help the students try and figure out how are they going to plan for the test? How are they going to prepare for the test? If you know that you've given your students, they've got note cards, they've got a textbook, they have uh, uh, flashcards, and maybe they have old quizzes that they could use to study, then have them identify those resources and, all right, how are you going to use each of those resources? So really, be a future thinker. That's that self-regulating piece. You know, and know the actions. What do you want to accomplish? I want to get a good grade on this test. So um, again, the more routines that we have established in the classroom, the, the, the better supports we are, we're providing for our students who struggle. And I also think it's important for teachers to let the parents know exactly what the expectations are. Mm. Um, write them down. Send them home with the parents. Because that'll help parents at home reinforce your expectations in the classroom. Therese, this has been really helpful and enlightening. In thinking about the parent perspective on executive functions, what strategies and tools can they use to help their child with these skills? Well, like the teachers having routines in the classroom, it's imperative that parents have routines at home. It can't be an option. Um, routines for where are you going to put your materials, your school materials. You know, have a designated spot for, for all items and students know or children know exactly where they're supposed to put their backpack and where they're supposed to even have a designated study area. Um, with that, I will say, sometimes students who have a learning disability, they have a hard time focusing, and so they might start in one room, mm -hmm. and then after about 20 minutes, they lose focus and they start you know, moving around and stuff. It's not a bad idea to have two or three different areas that a student can be doing their homework in so that if they're in their living room first and they get fidgety, then you can go into the kitchen and sit at the table, if that's an option, right? But have a routine for, um, as I mentioned, where materials are gonna go, but also have a routine for getting homework done. Sometimes I feel like students, it's the last thing. They've got other things that they've gotta worry about. Homework is always last. Well, if homework is always last, they may not have the energy that they really need to do a good job to get their homework done to the, to the best of their abilities. So with that, um, ideally, when a child comes home, take the time to sit with your child or to talk with your child and say, all right, what do you have for homework today? And what's your plan for getting it done? And how long do you think your homework is going to take? But just those three questions. It helps them to focus on right now, homework is important, let's talk about it, but also be a future thinker. So if we have individuals who have a hard time with that initiation piece, they like to procrastinate, um, so often a routine like that, it leaves that, oh, when am I gonna get this done? It 
it's no longer there. They know exactly when they're going to get their homework done and when they're going to do, do it. Um, another thing that could be very, very helpful at home is to have a calendar at home. You know, this is every, every individual listed and during the week on Monday through Sunday, any responsibilities, list those for, the, for, for your child and show your child what you're doing. I think so much as parents, we have the executive function skill in play. We just go ahead and do things. But I'd like, as parents, for us to help our kids be more self-aware. So kind of bring your child into what you're doing. Um, I'm kind of getting off focus from school here, but even if you're in the kitchen and you're cooking, and if there's a recipe you're following, ask your child, hey, you want to help me out? Let's follow, I've got a recipe here. Tell me, what do I do first? What do I do second? And just teach that sequence um, as much as we can do to, to help uh, to reinforce these executive function skills at home, we need to be doing because that's how we're helping our, our, our children. And we have to remember these executive function skills, they're not just schools, uh, school skills. These are skills for life. We've been hearing a lot about the importance of sleep, both to a person's mood, their energy level, their ability to focus and to manage stress. What role does sleep play in students with executive function challenges? Sleep is crucial to an individual and proper brain functioning. Um, students, they need to get the right amount of sleep. I encourage students to get sleep instead of staying up late and doing their homework. I honestly do. There's so much that goes on when an individual is sleeping, their brain is kind of going through all the activities of the day. Everything that, that the brain took in, it's, go, it's recycling and it's determining, do I need this or not? And if I don't need it, it just releases it. If, they, it, if the brain realizes it needs it, it's gonna store it. If we're not getting the proper amount of sleep, our brain's not able to do this. Uh, I've seen situations where individuals, if they're not getting the right amount of sleep, they, it, they go automatically into anxiety mode. We don't want to do that for the reasons we explained earlier. So sleep, um, thank you for mentioning that, Deborah, because that is a routine that has to be in place. What amount of sleep is ideal for, say, an elementary, um, elementary student, middle school student? Right. So I've heard for elementary students, Try to at least nine hours of sleep a night. Um, and as your children are older, in middle school, about eight hours of sleep. Um, it's really important that they get that sleep each night because some people say, oh, I'll just catch up on my yeah. sleep in two or three days. Heard that. We don't catch up on our sleep. If you don't get the designated amount of sleep that you need within that 24-hour period, you've lost it. You've It's gone. So... Um, I would say the number, the most important routine is the sleep. So thank you for mentioning that. Therese, I'm thinking about ADHD and how that relates to executive functions. So does a student that's diagnosed with ADHD, are they automatically going to have these type of challenges related to executive functions? Or can a student have executive functioning challenges without that diagnosis? So yes to both of those questions. If a student has ADHD, they are going to have an executive function problem. There is an individual, Dr. Russell Barkley, and he's internationally known for
for his research on ADHD. And he talks about ADHD truly being a self-regulation problem. So if an individual doesn't have that, those self-regulation skills, right? If they can't be a future thinker, and if they're not aware of how their actions are impacting themselves or others, that's an executive function deficit. As far as can an individual have an executive function disorder stand alone? Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Um, usually in, in the cases that I've seen, if it's just an executive function issue, it's uh, the, the ways to overcome that are uh, more straightforward and it's sometimes not as hard um, if it's an executive dysfun uh, dysfunction order specifically, then we're just taking a look at, okay, they have the behaviors in place. They just need help developing the skills. And sometimes uh, with ADHD or maybe autism, um, that behavior's not there. So we have to create an environment that, that replicates that system, that skill. Teresa, this has been amazing, and, and we've learned so much from you in terms of executive functions, but I'm sure there's just so much more that you could share. So how can parents contact you and get some additional information? I'd be happy to continue the conversation. Parents can contact me on my website, www.smartlearningstrategies.com. Um, if they go to the website, there's resources that are available along with explanations of executive functions, what they are, if they're interested in what it might feel like to have executive function problems. Uh, there's a simulated activity there as well that they could take a look at. I also have a Facebook page. Um, again, Smart Learning Strategies, so they can follow me on the Facebook page. Um, as far as services, I have um, I offer group services and individual one-on-one -on -one services as well, and I go and work with schools. So, great. Well, that's yeah. great, Therese. Thank you so much for spending time with us here at Alphonsus Academy. This has been really helpful, and I know our our parents and community will will really appreciate the feedback. Yeah, thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Therese. Thank you.